So we are um, continuing this series, and actually we're in the last few weeks of the book of Luke. We've been uh, working our way through the gospel of Luke throughout this summer and, and going through just a couple chapters a week, and, and we are to, to the end. And in fact, last week we ended, uh, last week as we looked at the triumphal entry and Jesus entering in Jerusalem, and, uh, which is Palm Sunday, right, in Holy Week, and we saw that last week, and, and a lot of that symbolism and things that, that played out there. And so now we, for these last uh, four chapters of the gospel. Today we are in chapters 21 and 22. Uh, next week, we are concluding next week, um, we are, are concluding the series, right, and finishing up the gospel of Luke. Um, and as, as we do that, though, um, we see this final week of Jesus' life, right, this final week of his earthly life. Um, and and as, as we look at this, he spent most of that time in the temple, um, teaching, interacting with people um, as he was in Jerusalem and, and, and throughout the events of the week. And we see, you know, again, the different gospels give us different aspects of this week. But this is the week that we typically celebrate around Easter. This is what we know as Holy Week. Like I said, we start with Palm Sunday and the triumphal entry, and then we work through those events leading up to Easter Sunday, which is Resurrection Sunday. And it's easy for us, because we celebrate those holidays right, every year, um, it's easy for us to kind of get, I don't know, we read these chapters of the gospel and we're like, yep, I've heard this before. I kind of, we know the story, we know it's gone through, and, and you know, we know uh, all the events, final events of, of Jesus' life here on earth, and, and again, his, his arrest and trial and crucifixion and, and resurrection. Again, next week, we're looking at a lot of that, again, the, the concluding chapters of, the res, of crucifixion and resurrection and the aftermath of all of that. But today, we see um, in these two chapters... Um, these familiar events of the week, and, and yet it all kind of culminates into that final um, meal of Jesus' earthly life. And, and we, we find this in Luke 22, and this is the Passover meal. And, and the Passover meal, is, it, it is a holiday in the Jewish culture that they celebrated every year. And it was one that, um, again, we see is literally the last supper for Jesus. He celebrates this Passover meal with his disciples. Um, and, and the Passover meal is a very significant event. They, and, and one, again, in the Jewish culture, they celebrate every year. And, and yet, I think there's, it's, it's um, easy for us to kind of even lose some of the power of that meal. And so I, I want to look at the significance of the Passover meal today. And as we look at, at Luke chapter 22, we see in verses 15 and 16 where it says, Jesus said, I have been very eager to eat this Passover meal with you before my suffering begins. For I tell you now that I won't eat this meal again until its meaning is fulfilled in the kingdom of God. And you hear Jesus, again, he's, he's communicating his excitement to the disciples that they're, hey, we're going to celebrate this, this meal together again, but, but this one is special. And it, because he's saying this one's special because he knows, right, this is the last one that I'm going to eat with you. And, and because he also though says that, that why this is so exciting, he says, is because the meaning of the Passover meal is about to be fulfilled. Hey, now, as we look at that, remember, if we remember from the very beginning intro part and when he started into Luke, because remember that Luke is a gospel writer that comes from a little bit different perspective, that Luke was a Gentile. 
And so Luke describes some of these Jewish traditions in different ways than some of the other gospel writers do that were, that were Jews. And in, this is one of those times we see that, right? As, as he acknowledges, right, the, um, the, the meaning of the Passover meal and how it is fulfilled through Christ. And, and as he kind of points this out, we have to step back and say, do we know the meaning of the Passover meal? Right? Because again, this is something that in the Jewish culture, they're taught from, from very little, right? They, they'd celebrate this holiday every year. And as it comes around and they have, they enjoy this Passover meal together and, and to remember and commemorate what God had done in their past, right? In the, um, in the past with, even with Moses and with the Exodus. And so today what I want to do is I want to take a look at what is the meaning of the Passover meal and how does Jesus fulfill it? As we look at that, we've got to step back into Old Testament history for a minute and just remind of where it started and why it was even something that they did celebrate in the Jewish culture and why they continue to celebrate it today. The Passover was one of those yearly Jewish holidays, and it was a Jewish festival to commemorate the exodus from Egypt. Hey, now, um, if, if you, again, going back into some of that, the history of Israel, we see that, uh, again, Joseph, right, brought the whole nation of Israel into Egypt, right, to, uh, during that time of famine, and God used Joseph and that whole story with coat of many colors and how all the, remember that, right, that God brought the nation into Egypt, right, to help to save them from the famine and all those things. But then Joseph, you know, um, a few generations after Joseph, right, now the Israelites are still in Egypt, and, and all those kind of things are, have kind of passed, and a few generations later, and now they are literally enslaved in Egypt. They, and this is when God right, raises up Moses as the next leader of Israel to, to take them out of Egypt and leads them into kind of the next phase of God's plan for, for Israel. They, and in the midst of this, again, Pharaoh did not want Israel to leave. And, and God uses Moses in, in, to, to lead Israel out. And, and in, as a part of this process, there are, are ten plagues that God you know, um, inflicts on Egypt and on Pharaoh right, to, um, to get to the point where he lets Israel go. Okay, now, the Passover okay, um, is, re, is the remembering and the commemoration of the tenth and final plague that happened in Egypt, right, to, um, to save the Israelite people. Okay, the tenth and last plague that was given, was, it was the death of every firstborn son. Okay, it was human and livestock. Okay, and God told the Israelites to slaughter a lamb on a specific day and have a feast eating all of the meat. And when they slaughtered this lamb, they were instructed to put some of its blood around the doorframe of their house, where they would be sleeping that night, all right, after they went through this ceremony. That we, we see then in Exodus chapter 12, why they were instructed to do this, right? This was God's plan, this, this final plague, right? The death of every firstborn son, human and livestock. And so we see here in Exodus 12, verses 12 and 13, it says that on the night I will pass through the land of Egypt and kill all the firstborn sons and the firstborn male animals in the land of Egypt, I will execute judgment against all the gods of Egypt for I am the Lord. And the blood that you have smeared on your doorposts will serve as a sign. And when I see the blood, I will pass over you. 
and this plague of death will not touch you when I strike the land of Egypt. And so we see, again, that that's where even the name Passover comes from, right? It's because of the lamb was the slaughtered and the blood of the lamb was put over the doorpost, right? Then that was a sign to, to the death angel as it's going through this to pass over that house, right? And to not strike down that house. And so we see again the, 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 the symbolism, right? And, 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 and it wasn't just symbolism, it was the literal Passover, right, for these people of how the sacrifice of the lamb saved the life of God's children, right? By sacrificing the lamb, by, by the blood being there, right? It was, it, again, it was, it's what saved the life of God's children because the Israelite people, every house that had this blood of the lamb over it, right, was marked as God's people marked as as God's nation and that um, that they protected them from the death of their firstborn son. And so again, the the core of of the things that were at the center of this holiday, okay, there were three things that were at the center of the holiday. It was the, the sacrificial lamb, okay, the blood, and unleavened bread. Okay, and these were used to celebrate um this this meal, right, that was had um, to, as a part of this Passover celebration. Now, again, we see this holiday celebrated all throughout Scripture. In fact, after it's instituted here in Exodus, they were told, right, to celebrate this holiday every year, right, to, to remember, again, God's power and how God delivered them and to be reminded of how the, they were saved by the blood of the Lamb, right, and, and how God's care for them and all of those things. Okay, and now, um, again, we see this happened throughout scripture. In fact, a lot of Bible scholars kind of, that's how they timeline the events of the Bible is based on the, the Passover celebrations, right? Because they happened every year. In fact, we look back through the gospels and we see where Jesus celebrates the Passover meal several different times, even with his disciples. And that's part of how we lay out the timeline of Jesus's earthly ministry. And so we see here at the end of the gospel here, literally hours before Jesus is arrested, Right, and, and, and ends up on the cross, um, Jesus again celebrates this Passover meal with his disciples. Okay, and, and now um, this meal here is also known as the Last Supper. Right, we see that. In fact, I want to read part of the passage here in Luke 22. If you have a Bible with you, I invite you to open with me to Luke chapter 22, uh, verses uh, 7 through 13 is where we're going to look. If you're here with us in person, you'll have your own Bible or Bibles provided for you in the seats. You're welcome to grab and use. If you're with us online, you can grab your Bible as well. But we're going to read here Luke 22, picking up at verse 7. It says, Now the festival of unleavened bread arrived when the Passover lamb is sacrificed. And Jesus sent Peter and John ahead and said, Go and prepare the Passover meal so we can eat it together. Where do you want us to prepare it? They asked him. And he replied, as soon as you enter Jerusalem, a man carrying a pitcher of water will meet you. Follow him. At the house he enters, say to the owner, the teacher asks, where is the guest room where I can eat the Passover meal with my disciples? He will take you upstairs to a large room that is already set up, and that is where you should prepare our meal. They went off to the city and found everything just as Jesus had said, and they prepared the Passover meal there. So as you see, again, this is, Jesus has already set this up. He's already kind of preordained this idea of this 
Passover meal. He's like, because this one is going to be significant, right? Not that the other ones weren't, but, but he looked at this knowing that this was going to be his last supper with his disciples. In fact, that's kind of where it gets the name. I mean, last supper, because it was literally his last meal that he had with his disciples, right? Before he goes to the cross. Okay, now we also see here that how the last supper was to be the last Passover meal. Now, it's still celebrated today, and there's still, even in the Jewish culture, it's still celebrated through, but, but this Passover meal was the last one before the meaning gets fulfilled, and that's exactly what Jesus says, right? He says, on this one, right, the meaning of it will be fulfilled, and again, the, the symbolism, all of the, the things that was foreshadowed through this of the coming Messiah, right, is going to be fulfilled by Christ's life in the next several hours. Hey, as we see this, because we see, again, that the, 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 the meaning gets fulfilled because Christ is the sacrificial lamb. Right? And, and we're moving into the next phase of Jesus' plan, of God's plan, through Jesus to save the world. Hey, because Christ then becomes the sacrificial lamb. It's what we see in 1 Corinthians 5, uh, verse 7. He says that Christ our Passover lamb has been sacrificed for us. Again, Jesus, the Messiah, right, is, is, is our Passover lamb. And, and the symbolism that, that is there with this Passover meal gets, again, um, fulfilled through Jesus. Right, through everything that he's about to take place. And it's those things that we know, right, that we celebrate every year in Holy Week and on Easter of his arrest, his trial, his death, and his resurrection. And so, so again, what, what is it about this lamb that makes it so special? What is it about the symbolism of it? There, there's several kind of requirements that God gives for this lamb. And, and again, I want to look at the, the requirements of the Old Testament of the lamb right, that was required in this Passover celebration and how Christ, again, fulfills those as we see in the New Testament. The first one I want to point out is that the lamb was to be innocent. Okay, it was to be un, unblemished. In Isaiah 53, we see the kind of the foreshadowing of this. He says that, that he was oppressed and treated harshly, yet he never said a word. He was led as a lamb to the slaughter, and as a sheep is silent before the shears, he did not open his mouth. Again, this is a prophecy for, foreshadowing, right, the, the Messiah, that he would be the lamb, just like the lamb is at the Passover, right, that he is the sacrificial lamb. He's taken to slaughter. Right? And yet he's silent, right? And that he has no defense. I mean, because there's nothing to defend, right? That, that this lamb is innocent. Okay, we see in, in 1 Peter chapter 1, verse 19, right? it, it says that, that, that he, Jesus, paid for you with the precious lifeblood of Christ, the sinless, spotless lamb of God. And see, this is, again, a very significant point within the sacrificial lamb is the fact that he was innocent. And that's why Jesus' sacrifice can then um, atone or pay for our sins because he didn't have to pay for his own, right? Just as it says, he was sinless, right? He, he stepped into our world as a human and, and lived on this earth, but yet without sin. And because he didn't have to pay for his own sin, then he can stay in our place and pay for ours. He was the perfect sacrifice. 
because he was completely innocent. Right? And, and again, that's why his, that one death right, can pay for all of our sins. That's why we, again, don't have to sacrifice animals in the temple the way they did in the first covenant. Because Christ fulfills that covenant and ushers in a new covenant of grace. Right? But again, the innocence of the lamb was very significant. And the innocence of Christ is what makes him the ultimate sacrifice. Now, the next thing about the lamb that we learn about this sacrificial lamb is that the lamb was to be one of their own. Okay, it was one that came out of their existing flocks, right? out of their family um, resources. Okay, the lamb was to be one of their own. Okay, in Exodus 12, 5, it says that this animal must be a one-year-old male, either sheep or a goat, with no physical defects. Again, it was very specific, right, about, about you're going to choose this lamb, right, out of your flock. Okay, and these are the, 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 the way you evaluate it, right, to find the right one. Okay, but they, you're going to, again, come out of, out, of, out of your own. It was from an, an, the, a part of their regular lives. We see in Hebrews 2, 14 through 17 of, of again, how does Jesus fulfill this? It says, because God's children are human beings— Made of flesh and blood, the Son also became flesh and blood. For only as a human being could he die, and only by dying could he break the power of the devil who had the power of death. Therefore, it was necessary for Jesus to be in every respect like us, his brothers and sisters, so that he could be our merciful and faithful high priest before God. Then he could offer a sacrifice that would take away the sins of the people. Again, we see that, that Jesus, as the Messiah, that he stepped into our world, right? That he was not just a, a distant God that doesn't understand what it means to, to be tempted, to, to live in the world. To, again, Jesus experienced everything that we experience. Like, this is really the theme of even John's gospel. In fact, that's how John starts off his gospel. He says that the word became flesh. Right, the idea that God steps into our world, into our mess in order to redeem it. But it also means that we serve a God that understands what it means to be human, that understands what it means to struggle, to be tempted, right? to have disappointments and setbacks in life. And, and again, we serve a God that knows that because he knew the power of the Messiah being one of us. Not only was he 100% divine, but he was also 100% human. Right? He understands what we deal with. Again, we serve a God that, that can be in relationship with us because he knows what it's like. And the next thing we learn about the lamb for this Passover meal, this sacrificial lamb, was that the lamb was specifically chosen. As we can already see in some of these, there was, there was a, a very specific requirements of this lamb. Right? We see more of this in, in Exodus 12, verse 3. It says, To announce the whole community that on the tenth day of this month, each family must choose a lamb or a young goat for a sacrifice. Again, there was a, a time of preparation, right? Moving up to the Passover. And, and again, they're directed to go and to, to evaluate and to choose the right sacrifice. 
Again, one that they're saying that we're going to sacrifice our best, right? That again, it's without blemish. It, it was it was not injured or not one that that was was old, right? And and the, oh, we need to kind of kill that one anyway. We'll just use that one, right? No, this was it was specifically chosen, right? Through through all of these these certain parameters that God had laid out for His people. Again, we see this fulfilled in Christ. In, in 1 Peter 2.4, it says, You are coming to Christ, who is the living cornerstone of God's temple. And he was rejected by people, but he was chosen by God for great honor. Again, just as when we give these sacrifices, we're told to give God our best, and that's what God deserves, right? Because God is holy, and he deserves our best. He doesn't deserve something that is 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 blemished, right? And yet God did the same thing for us. In fact, he leads the way in that, right? Again, he chose the best he could have. His own son was chosen right, to go on this mission as the Messiah. And we see again that, that the, the, all of these things, right? There's one of them, the chosen is innocent. And, and also the lamb was to be slain at an appointed time. Okay, there was a specific time that this lamb was to be slaughtered and, and for the blood to end up on the door, right? There's a, a very specific time. In Exodus 12, 6, he says, Take special care of these lambs until the evening of the 14th day for the, of the, this first month, and then each family and community must slaughter its lamb. Right, and they were to do it, again, on this very specific night. Now, again, the, the timing's important because, remember, this is this plague, right? They're being protected from the plague. And, and again, if you do it too early, you do it on, on, on the 13th night, right? And then you wake up and nothing happens. Nothing's happened. Right? I go, although early is probably better than being late, right? Because if you're late, right, then you're, you, you won't be passed over. Right? It was a very specific time. Right? I mean, on purpose. Right? God had a plan, and he was executing this plan right? to, to, to save his people out of Egypt. And, and the same is true right, with Christ, that God had a very specific plan. And the timing of Christ was important. We see in, in Acts 2.23, he says, But God knew what would happen and this prearranged plan was carried out when Jesus was betrayed. With the help of lawless Gentiles, you nailed him to a cross and killed him. And I've kind of wondered about, like, yeah, why, why did Jesus come when Jesus came, right? Why in the midst of our history? Like, was that timing right? You know, again, why, why, did, why, is, why did they have to suffer or, or, or stay under that, that old covenant for, for as long as they did, right? Why didn't God usher in grace earlier? Man, why didn't God come later? I mean, you know, he could have come later in times. I mean, because he, he could have used Twitter and Facebook. Like, he, you know, there, like his message could have gone wider. And, and, you know, we ask those kind of questions, but yet we trust that God knew the right time. Right, that it was in his perfect plan, his prearranged plan, right, that he knew when Jesus needed to come. And that it was the right time. It was at the appointed time. And again, we see all of the symbolism and the layers of meaning in the Passover meal and, and the Passover holiday. 
Right? And, and, and as we see all of this, and, and we, we learn right, that just as in the original Passover in Egypt, okay, with Christ, the sacrifice of the Lamb saves the lives of God's children. That, that is God's will. That is the plan. That is the reason for the gospel, right? is that God wants to save the world. Right? We see that, again, that was the mission of the Messiah, right? Was, was to become the sacrificial lamb, to fulfill the meaning of the Passover celebration, right? To save the lives of God's children. And that, that again, that is the point of the gospel, right? That God's showing us his love. Right? And even the whole first covenant right, that was fulfilled through Christ, I mean, it was shown to, to save the world. Right? And the fact that we needed a sacrifice. Right? That our sin needs to be paid for. Right? And again, through Christ, right, is, again, he is the, the, the perfect sacrifice. That through his death, right, the shedding of his blood, and through his resurrection, Right, that we can be saved through the covenant of grace, that new covenant that was sealed by the blood of Christ. To fulfill the Old Testament law, to ful- fulfill the meaning of this, of the Passover lamb, right? And, and, and to usher in the, the new covenant that we now live under every day. And it is by that covenant that we are saved. And that's why we don't go to the temple and sacrifice animals today, right? Because we have the perfect sacrifice that was made for us in Christ. And we see again that 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 is God's will, is to save the lives of his children for eternity. Again, when we look at the blood of Christ, that is the the message of the gospel. That's the foundation of our faith is his death and his resurrection. Because guess what? The resurrection is the best most incredible miracle of all history. Because without the resurrection, right, then the rest of Jesus' teachings just fall flat. Right? He was just another teacher or rabbi or, or claim, making claims that he couldn't back up. Right? But yet he was the true Messiah because he backed up. He fulfilled everything he said right, through his death and his resurrection. Like conquering sin and death once and for all. And it's because of that sacrifice that we can be saved. And again, God um, made a sacrifice for us. He sent Jesus, right? And now that was God's response to his prearranged plan to save the world. And now we are presented with that opportunity because of that to be saved. And yet, that was God's part, was to to pave the way, and now it's our part to receive that gift of grace and love, and to love God back, right, by praying and receiving him as our Savior, by receiving and accepting that love and forgiveness and grace, and inviting God into our lives. And that's, again, now why we celebrate Easter, Right? And that is, again, one of the most central holidays of, of our faith right? is because of the power of the resurrection. Right? And when we think about that and, and see, again, to be reminded of, of, of God's prearranged plan and all that he did for us, and we see that, again, as Jesus fulfills this 
role as the sacrificial lamb in the Passover celebration is that Jesus, as our sacrificial lamb, has now um, brought us communion. In fact, that's exactly what Jesus did at this last Passover meal, is he instituted the celebration of communion. Right, so that we can remember the sacrifice right, and, and um, not forget the power of the resurrection. In Luke chapter 22, verses 19 and 20, it says that he took some bread and he gave thanks to God for it. And then he broke it in pieces and gave it to the disciples, saying, this is my body which is given for you. Do this in remembrance of me. And after supper, he took another cup of wine and said, This cup is the new covenant between God and his people, an agreement confirmed with my blood, which is poured out as a sacrifice for you. I think as we see this, right, that again, Jesus is is taking at the end of this Passover meal, he added on to this celebration, right, of this Passover meal. He adds on communion to it, of saying, now, this is, again, as I fulfill this, now this is representing of the new covenant of grace, right, that is established through his, his death, right, and by the body being broken for us, by his blood being shed, right, and, and again, to save the lives of his children. And as we think about, you know, the ideas, again, the, the core things of the Passover holiday, the sacrificial lamb, the blood, the unleavened bread, these are also the core things of communion. Right, that Christ is our sacrificial lamb, that the bread represents his body sacrificed for us, that his, his blood is represented by the wine or the juice right, that has been poured out for us, that we are washed clean, and it seals that covenant of grace. And notice again, why does Jesus tell us to do communion? Right, for the same reasons why he directed them to do the Passover meal, was to remember the power of God. Right, to remember that how far God would go to save the lives of his children. To remember the, the, the power, not just of the sacrificial lamb, but the power of the cross and the resurrection. Right, and when we celebrate communion, every time we celebrate it, we need to, to be remembering what God did, the price that God paid. In fact, that's what, exactly what Jesus says in here, right? He says, do this in remembrance of me. Right? And that's why we, we celebrate communion, right? As a church family, right? As a part of our worship. Is we do it to remember what Christ did. Right? And the layers of meaning that are behind everything that Christ accomplished with his life, with his death, and with his resurrection. And then also we see, right, we do it in remembrance, and then notice what he says um, later, right, with the cup. He says that this is the new covenant, an agreement confirmed with my blood. Again, what is that new covenant? It is the covenant of grace. Right, that we claim that grace every day. And again, we claim that grace when we first receive Christ as our Savior, when we open up our lives and, and pray and confess and, and accept him as our Savior, invite him into our lives. That's when we join the journey of faith. And, and again, we, we remember that, right? We establish that covenant when we, when we receive Christ as our Savior and join that journey for the very first time. Okay, but we also 
remember that and, and confirm that agreement every day when we live in the covenant of grace, when we're in the journey. Right? Every time we grow in our faith and, and take that next step of faith and, and become more like Christ and learn more about who God is and about who we are and how we're supposed to live out his mission, right? is we remember that every time we live with Christ and walk with Christ in the journey. Right? We do it to remember the sacrifice that Christ made and we do it, um, again, to, to remember that the power of the covenant of grace that we live under every day. And so when we think about communion, even when we take communion, we need to remember, right, the, even the power of that and even how it's, it, it, it's layered on top of the incredible meaning of the Passover meal. Right, and how we're remembered, again, of Christ fulfilling that, that role as our sacrificial lamb. And again, if you've been around Oregon Trail for a while, you've seen this picture before because I love it, and so I keep showing it to you. Okay, but when we look at this picture, the title of this picture is Agnes Day, the Lamb of God. Right, and every time we take communion, every time we think about the gospel message, right, we should picture our sacrificial lamb being sacrificed for us. Again, we look at this picture and you see, again, a, a lamb that is bound for slaughter, and yet you also see loving eyes, right? And just submission to what it needs to do. And again, this is just a, a unique picture of Christ. Right? And every time we take communion, we should think of it as this core celebration of our faith. Right? And... and and even when we stray from our journey, right, and get distracted or struggle and have to come back, right, that's, again, the power of communion, right, is that we get focused back on where we need to be, on the power of our sacrificial lamb that we remember. Again, which is why we need to remember, again, that communion should be a big deal. It's not just a mindless routine. Right, it's not something that we just do, right? We just show up to church and it's just, we go through them, you know, check off the box. Yep, did communion. Okay, but communion needs to be a big deal in our heart and in our mind. And, and, and when we take it, we take it, right, with reverence. Again, oftentimes we, we do communion and we don't treat it as a big deal. Right, and that's one of the reasons why we only do communion once a month, why we don't do it every Sunday, is so that it doesn't become just a mindless routine every time we show up at church. Right, but yet we also, we're instructed by Jesus, right, to do it enough to be reminded, and we need to be reminded. And so, again, even doing it once a year is not often enough, right? So again, there's nothing special about once a month, but it's just on the first Sunday of the month, we celebrate communion together as a church right, to be reminded, to, to remember, right? And, and to, again, be reminded that Christ is our sacrificial lamb and all of the layers of meaning that comes with it. And as we live under that covenant of grace every day. Again, that's why just once a month we do it so that it's often enough that it's, we remember, but it's not so often that it becomes mundane and routine. Right now, next Sunday, when we wrap up the gospel, next Sunday, by the way, it's the first Sunday of September. And we are going to do communion next Sunday. 
Okay, and as we do that, I just encourage you to remember this, right? Have this in your mind, this sacrificial lamb and the power of everything that Christ represents for us. And next week, as we wrap up the gospel, again, we're going we're, we're gonna to do communion a little bit different next Sunday. So just spoiler alert, right? be ready for that. Okay, it's, it's not going to be in our same, you know, one month routine, right? So, okay, that's all I'm going to say. I'm not going to spoil too much. And we're going to do it a little bit differently next week. But as we look at this and look at the power of the gospel, the power of, of, of Jesus' life, and even as we, as we wrap down the study of Luke, like I said, so many times we come to these passages, these stories that we hear every year at Easter and think, yeah, I've heard that before. Right? But do we, again, remember and see the, the, the power and the symbolism and, and the love that's behind these events? And as we do that, again, I just, that's my challenge to you is as we look at this, even as we look at the Last Supper and even next week when we look at his crucifixion and resurrection and conclusion of Jesus' life, just will we see it from a different place, right? We're looking at these not at Easter, but we're looking at, at the end of summer, right? And it's a great opportunity to look at it from a different perspective and to see the power of it and why it's important that we celebrate it every year. Right, and as we look at that, it's to say that, that Jesus sacrificed his life for you. Right, that God had prearranged this plan that we see foreshadowed through all of these Old Testament um, you know, events and holidays and, and ceremonies that were foreshadowing in the Messiah. And now Jesus fulfills these things to where now we're all out and as we live in the covenant of grace every day. And as my question to you is, what are you doing with that gift? Have you received Christ as your Savior? Are you living and um, being saved as a follower of Jesus? If you haven't surrendered your life to him, right, all it takes is to believe in your heart and confess with your mouth and accept God's love and grace that he's provided through the sacrificial lamb of his death and his resurrection. Right? If you've never received Christ as your Savior, you can do that today. You can join the journey of faith. And if you have joined the journey of faith already, you've, you are a follower of Jesus, are you moving forward? Right? Because that's how we love God back. Are we in the journey? Are we, are we moving forward in our faith? Are we living out our faith? In the midst of struggles, can we just give it, again, bring those to Jesus, right, that he's already paid for? Right? Maybe you're just at a place of victory. Maybe remember last week we saw, right, that just the praise and victory that, like, and we're not going to let the rocks cry out. We are going to cry out in praise to God, right, and just celebrating what he's done in your life. Again, I don't know where you're at in your journey, but I hope that you will continue that journey today. This comes to my final thought today, and that is this, that God showed his love by sending Jesus to earth as a sacrificial lamb so we can be saved and have an ongoing relationship with him. Are you ready to join the journey? Are you ready to continue the journey? He said, I don't know where you're at in your journey today, but I hope that you will move forward. When you see again the power of the Lamb and how Jesus stepped in our place. Lord God, we are so thankful that whatever battle we face, God, we can give to you. God, it started with our own battle, God, for our own salvation. And Lord, you stepped in our place you became our sacrificial lamb. And Lord, we are saved by your blood and by your death and your resurrection. And we praise you and thank you for that. 
And God, we also, Lord, lift up any battle that we have that we're raging in our life, in our heart right now. God, we claim victory through you. And God, as we go this week, I pray, Lord, that we would just not only remember the sacrifice and the power of the the Lamb, but God, that we would claim victory. And Lord, that we'd live our faith every day. God, that we would share your love and your grace and your plan, Lord, with this world that so desperately needs it. Help us to represent you well as we live out our faith this week. Lord, thank you for being in the battle with us, for bringing us victory. Lord, guide us as we go. Thank you for being with us, sticking up for us, paying a price for us. Lord, we love you. We praise you. It's the incredible, powerful name of Jesus that we pray.